Welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host, Ryan, this week. Joining me is Croft, and we're going quick, because guess what? Guess what? We're back. It's been uh, three or three weeks, three or four weeks since we last recorded this specific show, uh, but Crofton did join me on a Gamers Inn, in which we did put on the feed. Um, I appreciate everyone's patience. It's been uh, a busy uh, last month for all of us, and we're going to talk about it uh, throughout the show, but Crofton... Let's kick things off with the time change because that happened over the weekend. And I'm sure, like, I made a joke about, um, I record a, a Patreon mini for the Gamers Inn, and it's both basically just like a bonus show. And I, and I made a comment, like, the time change has just been ripping through this house. Every kid is reacting differently to it. Um, and I, I, I noted, like, watch Crofton come on the show and be like, oh, the time change didn't really affect us at all. Really, it's just been totally fine. So please kick off the show by um making me feel as though my kids are not as well balanced as yours i want to know so hi ryan (laughs) uh we are back for sure thank you for having me on the gamers in for those of you who haven't checked out it you should definitely check it out um yeah uh time change my kids did pretty well it's pretty they're pretty they're pretty good um when it when it happened so uh we got the extra hour gwen is i'm feeling badly because i'm always waking her up in the morning so she got an extra hour of sleep she was all on board for that clara is the one that wakes she's my youngest and she's but she's like she's three and she wakes up but like uh she generally wakes up you know at six at 6.45 or 6.30, 6.45, and we say, you know, we have this mat that we unfold. Like, it's really easy to, like, open. We, we just put it down and say, lie on the, you know, lie down on the ground. Or sometimes we'll take it into our bed and let her hang out for 15 minutes. Then at 7, one of us has to get up with her. So we had one day where she was up, like, you know, at somebody had to get up with her at 6 the Sunday or whatever, but I just went down to the basement. I think it was me and I just fell asleep on the couch and put frozen on and made her watch that. Um, and then, uh, and then the next day she's pretty much back to normal. So, uh, was, uh, was not bad this year. Very, very easy for me. Uh, so, uh, yes. Yeah, sorry to hear it went so, so rough for you. I, uh, wow. Okay. Well, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm I feel like the, the fall change affects the kids more than the spring the spring's a little easier to like manage it's so weird because that's the one where they lose an hour of sleep you know or could potentially where the fall one is they gain sleep it's you know well see that's the thing we have our kids that we our kids wake up quite early usually you know shortly before six but they're in bed at seven and um so they are getting a, a good amount of sleep, but the problem is, is that Abby's internal clock is so good that she has been up at five for a week, and we cannot figure it away. And and we thought, well, maybe it's um maybe it's Isabel that's waking her up because Isabel's been been waking up at around five all yeah. week. We tried um actually tried waking up in the middle of the night to try to like give Isabel her bridge feeding to the morning um to try to skip that 5 a.m wake up call and uh that didn't work uh i thought it was the halloween candy and then i'm constantly reminded by ashley like they're not really having much and i'm like yeah that's true we kind of um we did the horrible parenting thing where we just asked all of our uh, in-laws like what's your favorite mini chocolate bar perfect let's just make a bunch of baggies we still had a bunch left over 
So again, future um, at, uh, older kids listen, older Ryan's kids listening to this. Yeah, we gave away your candy, and I'm not gonna lie, we're being honest on this show. I probably ate a good chunk of it as well, um, and I left you with mostly uh, just uh, Humpty Dumpty chips. Apologies, apologies, but oh. uh, I know, I know. Um, I, I like, I do think that the time change. Um, I do remember my kid being really like affected for an extended period of time on the time change, but I take it. Abby is not one where you can just say, look, Abby, go back to bed or, or hey, Abby play in your room and leave everyone else alone. It's like when she's (laughs) up, it's like everybody your laughter is already answering this question. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So in the morning when she wakes up, she'll come into the room and I think at best I can say, I can buy t-shirt gun in each arm she's like Woo! boom 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 <laughs> just shooting out t-shirts one for you and one for you it's time to wake up she lights firecrackers boom 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 kind of i mean like I, the problem i have is that like five i'm not awake enough to like snap out of bed and be like all right let's just go downstairs and chill you know it's it's still really early for for me um and i know humans, yeah. I need to go to bed earlier. I think that's the thing. And, and I know, like, as I say this, I'm I, hopefully I'm not making Crofton feel bad. I know we're recording quite late, but tomorrow I'll probably have to go to bed uh, early or, or try to catch a, a nap. But I think like um, when Abby wakes up, she'll come into the room and she is, to her credit, quiet. She doesn't run. She's She's got that down. We had to like really work with her on that. And she'll come into the room and she, and she says, you know, daddy, I'm awake. And I don't want to sleep anymore. And I say, okay, well, um, one one morning I'm like, well, go back in your room and just, you know, sit, you know, lay in your bed and just try to and play with your stuff. She's got so many stuffies in her bed in the sense that like she could play with a different one every every day of the week and and she'd be fine. And and um, and I I I I, I don't know what to say. That's only seven stuffies, right? Yeah, okay. Really, well. Like, I mean, one a day. I mean, like, if you should, she could play with a different one every day of the month, then I'd be like, okay, that's a that's a fair amount of stuff. Okay, well, she doesn't have that many stuffies, but we're working on it, I guess. Gwen is also big into stuffies. Look, I'm not being a stuffy supremacist or anything, or a stuffy <laughs> a stuffy judger. I I honestly, but stuffies don't make much noise. Like like no. you know, play with stuffies, it's not going to make a ton of noise. Mm. I guess it's just like so, Jeff. Jesse, my wife, cannot like she's woken up, and if the kids around doing stuff, forget it. She's up. For me, I could just go back to sleep, and I know that that's that's what you know. Jesse's like, can you get up with Clara? And I'm like, just go back to sleep. And she's like, I'm not going back. I can't go back to sleep with Clara in here. She's doing gymnastics. She's been kicking you in the ribs. <laughs> and I, I, I'm like, I don't care. Go back to sleep. And and so um. So so yeah, like for me, it's it it is funny because I have to try to sympathize with you folks that are not sleep bulletproof. But I am like, I mean, like uh, the only reason that anybody gets up with Clara is because that Jesse can't fall asleep with her, can't fall back asleep with her around, you know. So I got to take her downstairs. Yeah. Well, what usually happens, at least what happened one day, is uh, Abby came in. I said, "Okay, go back to your bed, play with your stuffies, just try to be quiet until it's until it's orange." So we have a a glow clock in the room, and essentially what that does is like you you set it to to turn to a different color from blue to orange at a specific time. There's a countdown with stars. It's like supposed to be the best thing ever. Uh, it's never 
worked. Yeah, most parents will say like, oh, you know, the kids won't even leave the room until it's orange and it's great. No, these kids, they don't care. But she will, I heard her the one day when I told her to go back to her room, I hear her walk back down the hall. I, I say to her, don't wake up Caden because Caden is always asleep. He yep. is, he is like 12 hours. He gets his 12 hours, seven to seven or at least seven to six, six thirty. He like he's that's his window, and he's usually pretty that's good. good. Yeah, good job, buddy. I know he's the future, Caden. If you're listening to this, you got you got that going on. Yeah, I know. Um, so Abby goes, "Oh yeah, no, don't worry, Daddy. I'm just gonna go back to my room. I'll be quiet." Was the first thing I hear, she opens the door. Caden, Caden, wake up! And I'm like, "Oh my god!" I just you just lied to my face. And um, so the next day, she wakes up, she comes in the room, and I say, okay, I know when you go back, you're just going to wake up Caden. So just get in the bed, because, you know, Ashley's up with Izzy. Just get in the bed, lay down, just be quiet. And she's, like, quiet for a few minutes. She's clearly not sleeping, but she's not doing, like, the gymnastics that you were talking about. She's just kind of laying there. But eventually, she'll really, like, it'll either be her saying, like, I'm not tired, or I want to get up. Um, but that's usually like that five minutes. That's kind of what I need to like wake up. Like for me, f- like anytime after, like anytime around, you know, an hour before I have to wake up, I do need like that five minutes to wake up. But in the middle of the night, like if I have to get up, I'm usually fine. But I find that if I'm up, you know, if I'm abruptly woken up, I have a restless sleep and then I'm tired. Um, so I've been tired for like um, the last five years. So yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, <laughs> how many years are we at? Yeah. Um, I have a suggestion to make. So yes. normally we switch right into the dungeons, but I think that you have already taken us down the path of diaper changing. So I think we should start with that. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, speaking of diaper changing, I'm not doing anymore. Uh, and <laughs> so, uh, so Clara, again three years old she just wore her diaper for sleeping so she didn't piss the bed right um and uh and yeah so uh so she's now like she can now hold it overnight except for one night when she pissed the bed but like but like generally she's she's good now like so or or we're, we're you know pretty much she's off diapers that's for sure like we're we're not even putting the diapers on we're just dealing with the piss um but uh but yeah i'm i'm i am excited it honestly like we talked about this before on previous show where it's just that gap between you know like your kids not wearing diapers during the day anymore but it's just wearing them at night when they sleep like that like how with gwen for me i remember that gap being so small like she was just done all of a sudden, like really quick after like she was fully done diapers pretty much all at once. Like maybe there's a, a couple of weeks or something where she, I don't know, Jesse would probably differ with me on that. But Clara is being like, I like, I don't, I'd have to go back and listen to episodes of the show almost to figure out when she stopped uh, diapers. But I feel like it was like early spring, like we're, we're on a, or, or maybe even earlier, like it could be coming up on a full year of her pissing in the toilet, but just like needing the nappy at night. So anyway, big victory. And because we're not planning on having a, a third child or whatever, I think like until I hit my old age and have to deal with my own diapers, I think that mostly I'm diaper free and pretty stoked about it. 
Wow, that's really good. I'm I'm uh, super stoked for for you. I mean, for me, obviously, like I have the excuse of like Isabel being di- she's not potty trained yet. But like, uh, yeah, I need to work. Uh, and by I need, I mean Ashley and I need to work on uh, on getting Caden and, and Abby out of nighttime diapers. We've just we haven't had a chance to do it, and um, yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I I know there's you've got enough going on, and I will say. That like I do like you having diapers because it allows us to keep this show's title. Um, I know that once our children become teenagers, we could keep doing the show <laughs> with the title Dungeons and Dickheads. But like, uh, <laughs> oh no, I'm not looking forward to that. But, but in in the meantime, I don't know what we'll, we'll call. It. I don't have a great name for it. So I mean, like, just keep your kids in diapers. And I know you that uh, you know Abby is is being challenging. But uh, but yeah. Anyway. Um, did, uh, did what was I gonna say? Did you guys like we haven't done an episode since Halloween? You've mentioned Halloween candy a couple of times. Um, how did go? How did Halloween go for you guys? Uh, um, we had a really uh, we had a really good outing with the kids uh, with Halloween, and I think this was the first year where I started to recognize how fun it is to go trick or treating with um, our two oldest, who were like really into it. Caden and Abigail loved it. Um, they wanted to go to more houses, and I, I even said to Ash, I, I mean, thinking back, I'm like, oh, Ryan, how foolish you, you could have been. They got a mountain of candy, but, like, that wasn't the thing that I liked. I liked, you know, seeing, obviously, their reactions to getting the candy and their reactions to all the decorations. And um, they, uh, I, I even thought to Ashley, like, oh, what if you went and put Isabel down? Because Isabel was crashing. Um, I ended up taking Isabel back early just to kind of like give her a break from, from walking. But even Isabel had a great time walking around and, and seeing the decorations and she was trick or treating as well. Nobody was at home giving out candy. No, we put the bowl out and our neighbors, so did um, we, did yeah. you, how did that go for you guys? You know what it is? Uh, one year we had some teenagers like clear the table, but what we do is we put it out in stages. That's why I went back to the house to kind of refill the table. People were really good. But then as soon as night hit, like as soon as, um, the sun went yeah. down, some teenager group just came and swiped all the candy and I thought, all right, well, that's it. Um, that's, that's, that's the Halloween. Like you, great. You got like 30 bags filled with mini, mini candy bars. Like, um, have fun, I guess. I don't know. I dungeons and dickheads, Ryan, I tell you. Um, and, and like for us, for us, like it was crazy town on our street. Like we're in a super, we've well, been here before. Yeah. Super residential area. So like, there's a lot, like it was just crazy town and i think people were getting their covid jollies off you know like just like we can do something relatively normal and my kids again you know skew to the like i gwen is older than kaden so um she at at seven did like um a, a group caution with two of her friends and uh it was it was really cool to see they were riding their horses they had horses and they were like um uh, they were riding them down the street like these fake um uh, what do you call them uh, uh i i you know the horse the horse head with the wood pole whatever the, the yeah. hobby horse hobby horses there yeah. it is um and uh and that was super cute. And then, and then uh, Clara was dressed very well as Elsa from Frozen, like down to the fact that her hair is is really long now and the same color, practically not completely white, but super blonde to the point that it might as well be. And done in a really long braid. And uh, and she's she had a perfect. You know, you can buy those Elsa dresses pretty much exactly the same. She's just running 
running roughshod in this giant group of kids. And I'm like trying to keep an eye on the smaller kid. And we're like, Clara, where are you? And, you know, she's, and um, it was just, but it was, a, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, our, um, I don't think like our bowl got rated all by one team group. I just think it was like a critical mass of trick or treaters. Like um, uh, we had neighbors that were like all, everybody was out in the street and we had neighbors being like, yeah, there was just like nonstop, people uh and so i think i got like two 100 candy bar packs or whatever and i think that they were gone pretty quick so i mean it's just people were getting that cathartic trick-or-treating out you know like and i i totally get that so it's a really really fun time gwen was so excited claire was so excited they emptied their their bags on the table it just felt like the first like real kid halloween that we've had with both girls because you know last year was a well, it was still good, but it was much more COVIDy. And then the year before, Clara was too little to re- for it to really be, you know, anything special. This year, they were both like your your two old, oldest, both really into it. So really yeah. awesome. Yeah, they uh, they really liked it, and I think next year, like all um, now that we've experienced it, I think uh, like the first kid Halloween. I think next year we'll we'll do a little bit more um like maybe stay out a little bit later like the kids did stay out we were out maybe a half hour past their bedtime and we still let them kind of like you know like do snow angels in their candy or whatever after we after we checked it (laughs) (laughs) where you're going with that yeah no that's that's awesome um that's that is awesome speaking of awesome i've also like i think like it's funny we did this show so long ago our last episode there's a bunch of things that i kind of started that i think i mentioned but one of the things was um uh, Smash Brothers with Gwen. I'm pretty sure if it wasn't on the Gamers Inn, maybe, or if it was on the last episode of Dungeons and Diapers, we I, Gwen wanted to play Smash Brothers. Um, at first, like I was kind of anti Smash Brothers. I was playing it, um, doing the campaign mode solo, and Gwen was watching. We were collecting all the spirits and all of this. Um, and uh, one day, I was super tired. Um, and Gwen found it very intimidating. You know, she didn't want to play. She had no interest in it. She just wanted to watch. She found it very intimidating. And then one day, we're playing the game. I'm playing the game, and I fall asleep while playing. Uh, and I'm in the middle of like a uh, I don't know. It's like don- some Donkey Kong themed world. Um, and uh, and I'm fighting like some Donkey Kong character. And I'm just like I think I was Link. Yeah, I was Link. And then, then, then I, but I, I had really not slept. I forget what the deal was, but I, bottom line, I fell asleep with the controller in my hand. Um, and, uh, and Gwen was sitting next to me and was like, Hey, wake up, wake up. You're going to die. <laughs> um, and, and I was like, uh, you know, I, you know, a call back to me in sleep. I just, I just do it and I don't wake up. And so she took the controller out of my hands and then started playing and managed to beat Donkey Kong as Link. Um, to be fair, I had done some damage beforehand, but uh, while you were but, asleep, uh, <laughs> just before falling asleep, yeah. I you know I didn't fall asleep at the beginning. I fell asleep in the middle of the, the battle, um, and uh, and then uh, and then she was like, I kind of like that. So I, I went into the training mode with her, and then we started we started playing. Um, and we would we started playing regular Smash where we would set up, a, and it would be us two against two computer players, and we would be on teams, so we didn't have to fight each other. 
Um, and she got good. Like I couldn't believe it. She, and I guess, you know, she's seven now, but she started to get pretty good. And, and then, um, and then she even wanted to go against me one-on-one and uh, you know, mostly I would school her because I'm an adult and she's a child, but then, uh, but then she sort of said, you know, it's not, she, first off, she never got upset, which really impressed me. Secondly, she said to me, um, you know, I should get to choose who you are because there's all these characters and obviously I'm really good with some, but there's some that I've like legitimately never played before. And so, so, you know, She's like always Link, all the time Link, until recently she would only take him. And then she was like, I want you to be uh, ice climbers. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> God. Um, and then, and then you know, we would, we would play. And she beat me. Um, and I was going at her. Like I was going, you know, I was not – I had never played as ice climbers. I had no idea what I was doing. But I was trying to beat her and she beat me. Uh, and then she was stoked about that. And, uh, but, and now recently we've started adding like six computer players, each in teams of two and we're a team of two. And now it's like chaos, like eight characters at once. And she's tried new characters and every night we're playing it, uh, after supper and it's just been a blast. So smash brothers, I wouldn't have thought that she would have been playing smash brothers before Mario Kart, but here we are. Yeah. No, I remember we talked about it. Um, on our last, uh, I think, official episode, and you were unsure if if it would stick, uh, and and mainly because like I think Smash is one of those games where it's a great pick up and play, and I feel like what you've been describing as playing you know video games with Gwen, it's like it's been a adventures. It's been adventures, but also like a prescribed amount of time, like more than just a half hour, like a you know um, an hour session here, an hour session there, and I think Smash is one of those games where like unless you're playing with a a huge crowd of folks like it's not a game you're going to play for very long but it's good that she uh latched onto it and and um you uh you faked sleep so that she would uh um to play so that's really good and i'm i'm glad she picked it up because again like it is a very complex game and i think it's a crazy like i it's crazy that she can do like grabs and shuffles and all these moves and uh yeah, like I just it it is funny. It, we are noobs though. Like just the other day we found like today, by the other day I mean today, we found out that the the right joystick can do smash attacks. Yeah. Like neither of us knew this into this point and uh, Gwen has that's one thing the character that she's been playing is this character from Kid Icarus, Palutina or uh-huh. something. And uh she loves this character but really her ability, her main ability with Palutina is that she does not die. So she's able with her teleport and all this to bounce around. Like, again, we're eight characters. And then, so she's generally at the end with one, one or two other characters. I die because I'm just like a bull in a China shop with Bowser. Um, and, uh, and then, and then she's left at the end and, uh, she, but she was never able to smash or not do – she couldn't do it consistently. And now that we know about the joystick, it's, she's just upped her game. It would be really funny because it would be these games where we would end and I would have 10 KOs with Bowser and she would have like one KO. But her KO was the last one and she's the only surviving person. So 
she would be really stoked about that. You know, daddy died. And even though I like, again, 10 KOs, that's pretty good. <laughs> um, so, uh, so yeah, no, it's been, a, it's been a good time. Um, and it's like, I mean, to your point, it's still like our video game time is mostly like after school, after, after supper, like we've hung out, after supper, uh, we clean up, like Jesse and I clean up the dishes and all this. And then Clara goes and relaxes a little bit before bed with um, her mom, uh, with her mom. And I go with Gwen and we play generally half an hour of Smash to 40 minutes. And you're right. It fits perfectly like that, you know, like we're, we're generally ready for bath and, and all of this. Uh, mm -hmm. The one thing, though, I do feel bad for Clara. She comes down sometimes and she's like... She wants to be involved, but it's way too much for her. There's too much going on on the screen. And every time she asks the same question, which makes me so sad, who's the bad guys? Um, she always wants to know who the bad guys are. <laughs> and every time it makes no sense because she'll come down and like, I'm Bowser and and I'm beating the crap out of Mario. And I'm like, Mario's the bad guy. And she's like, isn't Mario the good guy? I'm like, no, he's bad. And, you know, like, and then next time she comes down, I'm playing, you know, Kirby and I'm fighting somebody actually ba bad or Donkey Kong's the bad guy. Or then the next time she comes down and I'm playing Donkey Kong, I'm like, no, Donkey Kong's the good guy. She's like, I thought the monkey was the bad guy. I'm like, no, he's good now. You know, like for a, for a, for a three-year-old understanding a game where you choose different characters every time, it's very complicated, you know? So I feel bad Then she walks upstairs and just seems like dejected about oh. not knowing, not knowing who the bad guy was, you know? Yeah. And I mean, like from a video game perspective, like it makes sense at that age to, to latch on to, cause I mean, all the shows at that age are good guys, bad guys, right? Like, it's very clear who the bad guy is in Paw Patrol and who the good guys are. Um, so I can see that sort of trying to like make sense of it. And Smash is just like, it's a free for all literally in terms of the amount of characters in there. And there are good and bad. And um, yeah, any, uh, any interest to pick up the, the, some of the uh, DLC fighters, like any that sort of, I, I'm trying to think of any of them that would kind of like fit within both your and Gwen's interests. So I'll tell you the number one fighter that Gwen now knows exists and really wants is the Dragon Quest guy because yeah. we played all of Dragon Quest Eleven, the Luminary, yep. and and to get his level and the music and all of that. And here's the thing, I would have told you like, like I had I had not even unlocked all the regular characters before we started playing this game. Huh. Like I had I had not even gotten that far in Smash so. If you had told me one day I would even be considering buying a fighter pass, I would be like, ha, forget that. Why would I waste money? But now, yeah, I'm seriously considering it, especially the first one, because uh, the first one has, uh, you know, Joker from Persona, who I appreciate, the guy from Dragon Quest, um, and I uh, Banjo Kazooie, I think, and maybe yeah. a couple of a couple of others. But the second pass is crap, like. It has, I think, Sephiroth and Junk, you know, like... Um, yeah, so. it's, um, it, it's a... I think the second pass is less of, like, the surefire hits. Um, I think... Well, I think the second pass, they're kind of, like, kind of blending together. Um, but doesn't the second pass have uh, Steve from Minecraft? It's got the Minecraft characters. I remember that. 
I said junk already, though. I know. I'm. It, it really depends on what your kids are into. Just wait like a year, and if she starts playing Minecraft, she'll be all about wanting to play Minecraft and Smash because they do a really good job at adapting the game. So uh, here's Fighter Pass 2, okay? Yeah, yeah. Min Min from this arms game that <laughs> neither of us have ever played. Yeah, you can move on from that one. Steve and Alex from Minecraft. Again, like we have not played any Minecraft. Like Minecraft is nothing to us, so forget that. Sephiroth which is awesome for me, but she won't give. Um, Pira and Mintha, I think are from some Xenoblade game, but they might as well just be rando anime girls. Like Neither of us care about them. Kazuya from Tekken. I don't know anybody from Tekken except like two dudes, and he is not one of those dudes. And Gwen would have no idea who he is. And Sora from Kingdom Hearts, who is the only good one maybe besides Sephiroth, she doesn't know who Sora is, though we haven't played any of the Kingdom Hearts game. So for me, this pass sucks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. you can, I think you can buy them individually. So if you really did want Sephiroth, it, I would say it really sounds like you shouldn't buy the Fighter's oh, Pass. You should just buy That's great. It. Yeah, I should just buy I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll do that then. They are um, available but- individually. And again, for the Fighter's Pass 1, if, like, if you... For me, like I'm one of those folks, and I know it's the wrong way to think, but I'm one of those folks to be like just gonna buy the season pass because i love smash and i'm sure a majority of the characters will be within my sort of um range of interest the second pass did not do it for me uh like as as it did like it's similar to you like it was kind of swapped i played xenoblade chronicles 2 so pyra and mithra um and all their stuff worked for me like that i was i was good with that because i really liked that game um minecraft was interesting but other than that it was kind of just nice to have but i did it did feel weird like adding all these fighting characters i didn't know anything about um but that first pass is kind of like the highlights of the smash wish list like before it was just sonic like oh we want to get sonic in the game and then once that was done you kind of moved on to like like banjo kazooie was was my must have um for the game and he, he they are fantastic all their stuff is great all the music all the stages if you loved banjo kazooie on the N64, you're going to love it in Smash because they do it very well. And and I think like... I feel like I, I feel like I opened a Pandora's box, Ryan and Nintendo. I should always <laughs> be careful. But yeah, no, I, I... Anyway, all this to say, I will consider it. And the other thing I just... While we're on this track, went back into the Animal Crossing with the 2.0. Um, <laughs> and she's really into it. And... Uh, but we were making her pay for the expansion pack that does hoppy home designer, or she's going to get it for Christmas. But like, uh, we're not like she, she had saved up her money, but then she impulse bought something and now she can't buy the, the, the designer pack. So she's cool with that. Uh, but, but eventually she will be getting that, but I, we don't have it now. And she's, she is enjoying all the new stuff that there is in the 2.0 of smash, Oh, smash of Animal Crossing. And so that's great because I am sick to hell of Animal Crossing. And one of the reasons I think, you know, like just before anybody like Animal Crossing, is the game to get if you have a switch and children, like there's just no question in my mind. But the thing is, is that I never because he only let you have one island on on a game i never had the experience of designing or, or playing my own island um it's just being gwen's island and as i've mentioned on previous shows she treats it like 
absolute shit. There's there's garbage everywhere. <laughs> Every, the design is just – it doesn't bother her, but, like, it's almost, like, frustrating for me to play. Like, I have a house on the island, and I'm like, oh, God, this place. So so I would, I would say that uh, it is a great game for her to play by herself with without uh, without me and um sometimes you need that right so i i'm glad that she has that back in her life yeah what beat out the dlc in terms of the impulse buy uh i think a stuffy oh. wait wait no what is it she was at a store yeah it was a stuffy they she she went shopping for christmas gifts uh, i know um she went oh, shopping fine. with with Jess for Christmas gifts at the dollar store and in the mall. And they went and there's like a craft store and they went in and there was a, a stuffy made with real sheep wool. It's like a sheep with real sheep wool. And she really wanted that. And it costs like 25 bucks and she had 25 bucks. And we told her that means no animal crossing. And that's, you know, the heart wants what it wants, wow. but she hasn't, she hasn't regretted it or fussed about it or whatever. She Designer stuffies now. You better watch out. I know. Watch out, Abby. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, to, Ryan. On the diaper side, I have monopolized. I've gone through my list. Did you have anything you wanted to discuss? Yeah. So um, I mean, we we talked about it at the start of the show. It's been a very you know busy and tough month for the uh, for my family. And I mean, I'm not going to go into you know details, but um, we did have a, a death in the family. And uh, it was a it was a tragic accident. Um, it, it's it shocked everybody. And I kind of wanted to talk about like just from the perspective of of the kids, right? Like when death comes um, in, in, and you have to experience it in a way where the kids need to are going to be around it. And it was it was it was unavoidable, you know. I think when your kids are young, like very young, uh, I think we did. We did have a couple of, uh, maybe one instance where it, it was just Ashley and I that uh, that processed it, and and the kids didn't have to. Um, but the kids are older now, and and they knew this person, and so we weren't really sure what to do. Um, although we have a you know a person in the family who who works with uh, funeral services, and he kind of helped us out. We asked him questions, and straight up we asked. It was a, it was a the visitation. You know how they do like. They'll do the open casket and they'll they'll have the families there. And, um, you know, we asked, like, well, should we... Because the kids are... The kids want to go to the visitation. We want the kids to show their respect and and um, understand what's happened. And uh, we explained, you know, the accident to them, like, and they understood that, that, this, that the person had passed away. And we explained there's going to be a service. And when we asked... Um, this family friend, like, okay, like, what should we do? And, and they said, look, like, the best way to process, like, death, there is this, there's a reason they do visitations, there's a reason they do open casket, is they, they find it is the best way for people to uh, deal with death. So we gave the kids the option, um, we did kind of organize it so that we could do the visitation in the room alone, like in between visitations, so we brought the kids in. And uh, my mother was up, uh, so she was there with us as well to help with the kids as well. And, and obviously my, my in-laws were there too. And they were helping out with the kids as well. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was not easy. I can, I can, I can't sit here and say it was easy. It was definitely not easy. And the kids, um, they, they struggle with it. I think 
you know, Caden uh, wanted to pay his respects from, from afar. You know, Abby had a lot of questions. She did want to go and, um, and, and go up to the casket and, and kind of understand uh, and, and ask some questions there as well. So like, I think at the end of, and for Isabel, again, she was much younger. So she just kind of hung around on my hip and, and yeah, and that was that's it. That's a bit of a, a different thing yeah. is for Isabel. I just a quick question. Yeah. Uh, somewhat morbid. Um, is you know, like like I haven't done I haven't been to too many open caskets, but I have been to a couple. And generally they do like this whole sort of makeup routine to the to the uh, like there's a term for it. I I'm 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 losing it right now. But um, did they do that to the deceased? Like were they visibly uh, did they look? Did they look odd at, at all? And did Abby comment on it, or did it resonate with her in any way that the the per, the person looked different? Yeah, I think that that's a perfectly valid question because I think when you have an open casket, like I I'm actually now I'm remembering, so it's all coming back. So my my grandmother had passed away um, when the kids were were much younger. They didn't go to the open casket. They understood that. Uh, you know, their great grandmother had passed away. You know, we explained it to them, and and they understood from that angle. But we didn't we didn't take them to um, the visitations. Uh, but yeah, like they do. There's this process, and um, I think it's like it it is it is always uh, it, it does look like you know they use they use a lot of makeup. I mean, they have to. I think it's part of the process. And um, there is a bit of this like disconnection there, I think. Um, but there's also this connection too. It's kind of like it's kind of hard to explain, but I think for the kids, they didn't really have those questions. I think they they did connect that this was, you know, a person they knew who had passed away, and um, that wasn't really an issue for them. They were they were more concerned, just like understanding, you know what had happened, why it had happened, um, what was going to happen next, you know, how everybody else was feeling. Cause I find kids like really pick up on that. Um, and then in a way, sometimes they don't, you know, kids are kind of like in their own world. So sometimes when they're running around at a, and everyone was really good about it, but like sometimes you run around at a, at a, <laughs> a funeral service and that's why we want to kind of do it in like more of a private session so that we could let the kids ask their questions and then, not like obviously they uh interacted with with the rest of the family who were who were grieving as well uh we did that too we didn't just you know isolate them but we let them have the time to ask the questions you know and we had i think a good hour in the room between sessions everybody had gone off to sort of eat and and um prepare for the the final part and uh i think that worked out really well like and you know we're um we're you know uh, you know, there's been some time since then and the kids have adjusted really well. Um, you know, I don't know how it's gone at school, but we did mention to the teachers, we have the, we use like an app to engage with the teachers and send messages back and forth. So we did let the teachers know, you know, there was a death in the family. This is how um, the kids are processing it. This is what the kids have done to process, uh, you know, this death and, and to try to understand what has happened. So it might come up at school. Um, and, you know, kids, they like to tell other kids stuff. So I think often they'll talk about it. Um, 
with other people like they i think they even met like a kid who had the same name so it it was uh that was really tough for the kids in terms of like just they just can't help but share this information um but i think like in the long run like i think it were it worked it worked in our favor to kind of like take this advice that probably most parents you know it's a it's tough advice to take right because you do think of what the what the cons not the consequences but what the um the the reaction is going to be and i think for the kids they i think they've just been better off for it you know and and because it was a you know a tragic accident and there was um you know like different memorials happening at different places we did feel more comfortable sort of you know having the kids engage with the other you know memorial services and such um and i think that worked out really well for for everybody um but you know we wanted to have that balance of like you know respect of of the kids being there them understanding what had happened but also making sure like it's not all of a sudden just about the kids right like you know what i mean like kind of like trying to find that balance of like yeah we're here and we we brought our kids like we kind of wanted to i don't know it was uh, it's a, it's a tough needle to thread especially depending on who the person is and like what the relationship is and how close your kids are to them you know this you want that experience for your your children you want them to be able to come like to terms with it but at the same time it's like you don't want to you know monopolize the situation it sounds sounds like you handled you guys handled it really well honestly the learning opportunities like i mean it's it, it, in a way it's a crass way of looking at it, it was a glass half full way of looking at it uh for, for the kids you know is it, it, it's never going to be easy and um and uh and, and and before they have to do deal with deaths in their direct family like the extended family um you know sometimes makes it easier to have the conversations there's no way to protect them from that you know it's going to happen at one point or another you know um and so so it, it you know anyway there is that like i understand and i and i've seen it you know i understand from a parent's point of view like you do want to kind of protect your kids uh from from the i the concept of death and the and the grieving process when it comes to death for as long as you can because right they're only kids for so long but you know we we took this advice and like ashley and i were both like we didn't know what to do and um you know when they said like look like i think this is the best thing for them they're gonna be they're gonna be fine again i think back to my own experience like there were when i was a kid there were you know close you know i've had uh, i had an uncle pass away you know when i was young but i don't like i remember small bits of it you know like i don't remember right. like probably i don't remember what i don't remember if i went through what what the kids did or kids um yeah what the kids did but like i don't know it's uh it's also hard to remember that far back. No, but. for sure. And it's also the concept of death. Like it was Remembrance Day in Canada, Veterans Day in the States. And like the idea is like my, you know, that you're trying to get kids to remember those who've lost their lives in war as well. And that that's a challenging struggle. And I watched some of the ceremony done today by the school board um, and uh, in our area. And it was really neat. And it was really well well done how they, you know, how they spoke to kids where they lived. But at the same point, we're cognizant that they are kids. And this is the thing, like I've been guilty perhaps as not a religious, if you follow some organized religion or you're, you know, a Christian or whatever, then um, 
because the concept of death and you know I, I don't want to say it has easy answers but it has answers you can say you know um if you die and, and you're good you're going here if you're bad you're going here or something like that it also allows you to explain the concept of sacrifice because say in the christianity using it as a faith jesus is you know sacrificing so what is he sacrificing his life so why is that important you know and all of that so for me, you know, not, you know, Gwen and Claire not being raised in, in following, you know, any religious tenets. So, so then when you're speaking about the sacrifice of the veterans remembrance day, it's always a more complicated conversation to have because it means acknowledging death. And it, yeah, it's something that I've been like, I, I mean, I have been as protecting as a parent, you know, can be, but like now, now at this point, you know, Gwen is seven and it's like, She's a kid, right? Like she needs to know why that – like we to, – to give you an idea, Ryan, of how protective I was when we started – and this is uh, – you know, like I'm really glad that I started uh, speaking about Smash Brothers before you went with this very serious analogy because um, it, 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 it seems very diminutive in comparison. But one thing when Smash Brothers – it was the first game – I've always avoided when we're playing video games talking about death. Like when when we beat an enemy in Dragon Quest, they puff into smoke, and I will always say, "Oh, we defeated them." You know, when one of our guys goes down, I'd be like, "Oh, they've fallen. We need to help them up." You know, or whatever. That's how sensitive like I've been in terms of talking about death. But in Smash Smash Brothers, just instinct takes over when playing a fighting game, being like, "Oh man, I just killed that guy," or "Oh, oh, you know, I'm dead," or whatever. And I've and Gwen is like, "Are you? You're dead? We're dead?" And I'm like, "Well, it's like you're defeated. I'm. I shouldn't say dead. I'm like, and and we actually had kind of a weird conversation about life and death out of that, you know. And it's just funny, but it realized it made me realize that I personally have been handling my kids with maybe too too much of kid gloves. Um, and, and so I respect what you guys did here and how, how you had handled the conversation and how you brought them in separately and, and how you did that. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's I'm not saying it's certainly for, for everyone. Um, I think it has to make sense. I think you both Caden and Abigail are at the right age where it, it felt, um, as if they were old enough to understand this advice that we received was based on our kids' age, them knowing the kids, but like it all comes down to, you know, he basically said, like, look, if if they knew this person to to any degree, um, you know, uh, going to the visitation can provide closure and can provide the mind closure as well and understanding, right? So I think that's what we we really noticed from the kids afterwards. They were they were better, they were able to understand what had happened and then they were also able to take that understanding and support um the family, like support Ashley and I support the extended family and um I also really appreciated that as well from the kids. Obviously Isabel is just she's a baby, she doesn't understand what's going on. Um, but Kate and Abigail, they did, I was really proud of them. They did a really good job and, uh, you know, outside of like the time change stuff that had happened, like that's totally separate. But in terms of this specific, you know, um, conversation, they've done a, they've done really well. And I'm, I'm really happy with, with how, um, they have been able to handle it. And, uh, but yeah, it's still tough. It's still, it's still really tough. Um, it's still a big shock for the whole family and, you know, but I'm I'm glad that the kids have the necessary tools to be able to assist 
with these tough times, right? Um, so um, it, it's not easy to talk about. I mean, we, you know, it's one yeah, of those yeah. things that like, no, we talked about like, oh, you know, how do we want to discuss it? But I think really when it comes down to it, like how, you know, the experience of, of what the kids had, I think that that was worth sharing from just my perspective. And I, I mean, I'm sure people who are listening to this are probably going to have um, their own experiences and uh, for sure share those experiences. Let us know if you feel comfortable. And um, I, I, we don't, we've never had, we've never had uh, this experience before with, with our, with our kids um, at this age where you do have to kind of think like, okay, how, how do we help the kids process this? So, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And thank you so much for sharing. I think, I think that it is uh, great to hear it uh, of the way I think I've not even heard on a podcast, a way of, uh, you know, approaching this type of situation with your children. I wouldn't even know where to begin looking and to, to, and, and hearing what you guys did and who you spoke to. I'm like, to me that, that you know, it, it's just funny. Cause you don't, you, you don't want to think about having, having to deal with that situation. And then when you, when you think about it, you're like, no, all of that makes sense, you know, but when it happens to you, you also have to deal with like your own personal feelings and like, how, how you you know you or your significant other is dealing through it and then you've got to watch out for your children it's it's such a such a tough time for sure um and uh and yeah no but that said that said ryan we will put a we will put a pause we will put a bow bow on on it and we will move into the dungeons which if somebody told me like i'm moving into the dungeons to be more like happy or i i would say what a weird dungeon this is to, the, to that person but uh that's the way this show works and um i will start just by saying that um i'm not even sure if i mentioned this on the show before but like like i mean covid is it's has been r- rough on everyone but like it's also made everybody kind of reevaluate their space and i'm still working from home um and my office is kind of going back a little bit in the new year but it's really just like they're going to have some swing spaces which isn't as fun as it sounds um and and yeah so i really they're expecting that we're going to be home for the next foreseeable future it's, it everything is moving to home and when we bought this house it was not with the intention of it also having an office and so we've kind of been on top of each other for two years my wife and i and the kids when they were doing the e-learning we talked about it ad nauseum so one of the things that we're finally pulled the trigger on is taking a shed that we have in our backyard and turning it into a home office and uh, my friend has started a contractor business and he's starting to do it and it's like should be done by mid-December. So like probably the next time we record the show, like it will be close to done. Hmm. And then, you know, I will update, I will update it, but man, I am getting very excited about it. And I know it sounds a ridiculous thing to be excited about, but it's like an extra room. It'll be about the size of Gwen's room, really. Um, And it's an extra room. It's outside the house. I will be podcasting this show from there in the future and like right now i feel bad i'm in the basement this is where our best tv is jesse can't watch it because i'm doing this show tonight right like she's like oh i guess i can't you know <laughs> i'm like no you know but once the sh- once the shed is done you will be so i'm i'm uh i'm stoked for that i'm stoked for it for my work it's just going to be a nice thing so find the little things that you have to look forward to i mean this is a big thing for me even though it's cost it will cost a lot of money 
um, but it's, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that, uh, my mom always says about extensions, she's like, you know, it seems like so much money, but then the money's gone and you have the extension forever, or the, the thing forever, and you're just happy about it. I'm hoping that's going to be the case for me. So looking forward to a lot of good Dungeons content from my new shed, uh, man shed, he shed, whatever you want to call it. Huh. So I didn't realize um, you had said you were just working on the shed and I've, I've been to your, your house and I've seen the shed. Shed is an accurate statement. Like it's not, it's a nice shed. So the fact that you're kind of like upgrading it to be, I imagine, heated and mm-hmm. it's within Wi-Fi range and have power. Well, we're probably going to run it. Yeah, we're probably gonna, we're running electrical. Electrical. We've dug this trench from it, and we'll probably try to run an Ethernet cable through there. I would oh, okay. imagine as well. So, That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, so, is this like going to be like a permanent residence for your 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 basically your computer, or are you just going to have like a laptop system that you move back and forth? We're honestly not sure. No, I'm not sure on it entirely. One of my problems that I found, and I don't know if other people find this, but the, the we've lost the transition between spaces or we're multi-using spaces. And so spaces no longer mean what they used to. Like for me, I would go to work. I would come home. I would put – we would do stuff with the kids. I'd put them to bed. We'd go down to the basement. And when I would walk down those steps into the basement with Jess, we're looking to watch a show that we'd be looking forward to or I'm looking to play a new hot video game. And I I could feel like the tension of the day just coming out of my shoulders because it's like I'm going down to my fun space. And I've only been in this space now when I'm going to have fun. Um, and now it's it's like with COVID, I'm in that space all day working. And then I go up and then I'm back down in the basement afterwards. And it no longer means what it once did, right? Like now it's my office. And, um, and just like if you go to work in an office, like you're just transitioning spaces all the time. Like you're going from meeting room to meeting room. You're trying to figure out, okay, this next meeting's on the third floor of this. I got to go up the elevator. You now I'm just click, click, click in my basement all the time. And there's speed benefits of, of that. But at the same point, you're never changing gears. And um, and so now I know all my work stuff is going to be out there. And will I want to go there in the evening? to like? Will I keep my personal computer here, for instance? Probably not because I need to do the podcast. But I bought the Xbox Series X, so I'm going to be doing a lot more gaming, I think, on the Xbox, that'll be inside in the in the basement. So I think it'll be a work in project progress. How much time will I want to spend out there out there after I've worked? You know, um, so it will be interesting. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, but but just having this extra space is a big thing for us because right now we use all the rooms in our house. We don't have that flex space, uh, and we have an open concept home. So like. There's no hiding from people, you know? Like if Jess is like, oh my God, I really need a break. I'm like, okay, go upstairs. And then Clara follows her up. What are you doing, mommy? You know, like um, it, it's just now I can be like, go to the shed. And I won't tell them, you know, like <laughs> mom's gone out, you know? So Yeah, it's a, I think it's like you do what you can with the space you've got. And I mean, I know a lot of people are probably hearing, oh, converting a shed and, and um and I, and I thought the same thing, but honestly, when you think about it, like, it makes sense. Like, if you want, uh, if you want a space that, that can be yours to work, like, I've experienced it too with my office here at home. I have a home office. Um, 
but it was for podcasting and gaming, you know? Uh, but then it became podcast gaming and work. And I've even found that I've had less interest in playing PC games because I'm in this office chair now, you know, I'm in the office all day, Monday to Friday and, you know, work days. And then I'm in it three nights a week podcasting. So again, it doesn't leave much brain space to suddenly want to spend even more time in here playing PC games. So I've been playing a lot of console games in the living room and I've even thought about like just moving the PC um, into the living room just to have have it in there, like the, the gaming PC. So I totally understand that and I miss that transition time, like not even necessarily the office, but that, you know, transition time between home and office because I think that also really helps with the wind down period. It does. It does for sure, Ryan. That's like the commute, the whole, uh, I'm having a really hard time with that. And my wife and I actually had a discussion about it recently. I'm just like, look, cause I find like a lot of our arguments are, are, are related to that period of time. Like I come up, she's like, are you listening to me? You know? And the answer is often not. I'm still processing, you know, the last things that happened in the day, right. At the work day. So it's not going to, the shed's not going to resolve that. Like no. I'm just going to walk, walk out, but it, 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 it will probably help. Yeah. It'll help for sure. And I've, I've definitely felt that like with, you know, two kids getting on the bus and I know we've, we've left the diaper section, but like, really it's what I've been spending a lot of time on, um, obviously with, with everything going on. So I think like, you know, I have two kids getting on the bus, Abby's struggling with the bus, Izzy goes to daycare. So we're kind of like, well, Ryan, you need to be at the bus too so that I can put Abby on the bus and then someone can watch Isabel. So like we all go to the bus in the morning, which is, you know, so I'll start work, say, okay, I got a jet for 10 minutes. I'll be right back just to get them on the bus. So like I'm starting, stopping, starting, stopping and, and work's aware of this. And then at the end of the day, the kids get off the bus at four and sometime like I'm running right up to there and I'm like, okay, I got to run to get the kids, but I'll come back and finish this, you know, when I'm done. So like, I, I'm feeling that as well and have been for the last couple of months, just as we transition to, to school and, and daycare and stuff. And I know this is something that people have had to deal with forever. This is not new. It's new to me, but it's not new to, you know, working parents, um, you know, or, or even parents who stay at home with their kids. Like, again, like it is a constant sort of, you know, scheduling, uh, thing. So, that's something we're struggling with. But again, like if it, if it came down to it, if I was, you know, commuting to an office, I would miss both drop off and pick up when it comes to the bus. Um, so that also wouldn't be good. So like, we're still trying to find that sweet spot and we're augmenting it as best we can to kind of like find what works, which is the most important, finding what works well for the kids. And I mean, if Abby wants me to be there, so she's comfortable getting on the bus, damn straight, I'm going to be there to get her on the bus, you know? And everyone's been super supportive about that. Um, same with the end of the day. This is what you got to do, okay? Mm. Look, you got to dig up your pool, okay? Oh like okay, the, no. The, the pool, the pool. You got to, you got to build. Mark a, it on your calendars, everybody. Zero days now. You got to, you got to build a like dome over top of it, like just staircase down into where the pool was. <laughs> A dome over top, you know, like you you get some Wi-Fi and like some, you know, you get bunker, it all done. Wouldn't it? Because it's cement. Like you need you need to hardwire well, like, the Ethernet in there. Yeah, hardwire, but like yeah, like a bunker. Think about the soundproofing. Mm. I mean, geez, I, there's so much you could do. So much you could do. 
in the dungeons here, like the two things that I'm, I be, I've watched um, a television show on Netflix and uh, longtime listeners of, of which I mean, people who la- listened to the last episode will remember that I liked murders in the building on Disney plus. And uh, my wife and I were kind of like jonesing for something like that. And I actually went to my favorite algorithm, Google to, uh, to determine what, other shows are there like Murders in the Building. And it suggested this show called American Vandal. And I had seen the name American Vandal a couple of places. Like I knew it had been a little bit of a critical darling, but I didn't really know much about it. Um, so I watched American Vandal. And the other thing uh, is that I, and I think I prefaced this on the last show, I was thinking about trying out the Resident Evil 4 version in VR. Uh, and I did, I pulled the trigger on that, <laughs> pun intended many times. Um, and, uh, and I have been playing Resident Evil 4 VR and honestly, I have a shit ton of thoughts on Resident Evil 4, uh, VR, most of them extremely positive, but I will put a pin on that because I do want to talk about American Vandal, uh, which I, there's two seasons on Netflix. My wife and I have finished both seasons. Ryan, have you watched the show before or heard of it? No, but I will also put a pin in something that I completely forgot. Ashley and I finished Murders in the Building or Only Murders in the Building and loved it. So we'll have to talk about that uh, next time. Oh, I'm really glad. I'm glad that you guys finished it. I know that you were only only had watched the first one, but no, it's, it's great. Here's the thing. My wife is really into true crime stuff. She loves a lot of the true crime uh, watches a ton of these, um, you know, you know, documentaries, podcasts. She loves true crime podcasts, um, and uh, you know, only murders in the building is about true crime podcasters. And at the core, it had a mystery, and because it was scripted, it was resolved. Because one of the big, my big problems with these true crime shows or whatever is that they are unresolved. And, and like recently, and spoiler, it's in the name, Netflix's revival of unsolved mysteries. Uh, was very unsatisfying for me because we watched the first, like I watched the first episode with Jesse. It was really well done. And I was really into the story being told. And guess what? It's not solved at the end um, of of the unsolved mysteries episode. And uh, I was really, I was really frustrated about that. But I was I enjoy how the true crime pieces are put together, how these documentaries work, how they they really get you thinking about oh maybe it's this or maybe it's this person or maybe it's that. Anyway, American Vandal is a, a mockumentary of true crime, um, and it is what it does is it takes uh, um, some <laughs> very low impact crimes, fictional crimes, and does a mockumentary uh, does a um, a documentary about it and it's done what is so funny or funny but also interesting is it is done extremely seriously uh on material that is very lighthearted. and just to, to point out the crime in the first episode uh, the first season rather is um there is <laughs> there are a bunch of cars in the teacher's parking lot of a high school and somebody spray paints penises on all the cars. Um, and so the question is, who did the dicks? Uh, and 
it, don't Google that because you will be spoiled. Uh, and I know many people want to Google who did the dicks right now, but don't do that. Um, and anyway, um, one of the students, uh, never do well, who is a noted dick drawer, is expelled from the school uh, based on, you know, circumstantial evidence. One, one, uh, one person saw him. And so the AV club puts on a true crime investigation. Two kids from the AV club, and they take it extremely seriously. They're not even like joking about it. Um, they're they're doing it really seriously. Like they're conducting this like it's a big, big thing, and they have high production values. It's not done like an AV. Like Netflix is funding it, which is kind of like a funny thing. Um, but it's so it is the documentary, and they interview kids from school. They they're they're doing backgrounds, they're they're doing timelines, they're doing recreations, all the things that you would see in a true crime uh, documentary. But it's all to figure out who spray painted the dicks on the car. Was it really this guy Dylan who was expelled? Was it somebody else? Was it a you know what's the motivation? And so it's a one note joke, right? Like. It, you know, who did the dicks? It's, uh, I was crying laughing the first episode. Like there's just hearing some, some of the teachers talk about, like, it's just so, it's so funny. And all the actors are, look like it looks, they look like real people. They don't look like actors for the most part. Like you feel like you're watching a real, a real thing. Um, it, actually there's people that only found out that it wasn't real later on and were really disappointed to find that out. And I'm like, it's not real. Like it's clearly, uh, and, uh, anyway, and then the second, the second season is about another similar sort of crime. But what is funny, uh, what is impressive is, is like, I would say anybody who finds who drew the dicks and wants to know, uh, if Dylan, the noted dick drawer did the dicks, um, I think I think it's hilarious with in that in that way in that you get in right away, but I would say to people who think, oh God, you know, penis graffiti, it's a one note joke, and they milk it for eight forty five minute episodes. Are you kidding me? I would say to those people, stick with it because the joke becomes like you just that the crime like washes over you after one episode you don't really then it becomes about the people and you get to know like all the kids in the school all the in like it's one of the best high school depictions i've ever seen you get to know these characters they're brought back repeatedly for interviews they're talking about um the role of social media in their lives becomes fascinating at one point they dissect this party like all these suspects and all these people are at this party and everybody's recorded like little clips for their instagrams and different things and they manage to get all these clips and are trying to recreate the party and it's so interesting like everything about it and by the end you just are so invested. I desperately wanted to know who did the dicks. And it was just crazy that at the beginning, I would be so invested in some of the the characters and the people and even the documentarians themselves. So like, honestly, show was amazing. At season two, just like reinforce that, like watching season two, um, again, just absolutely compelling it's a little less there's one thing about season two which is that it's the same kids doing the documentary but now they've gone to another school to do one oh. so they're not if they're not involved like they are in the first one in the first one they are very much characters themselves because they're kids at the school it's their teachers that are interviewing it's their um fellow students that they're interviewing but in season two 
It's a whole new cast of characters, which also works really well. And they obviously get emotionally invested in that as well. But honestly, after those two seasons, like, like I really liked Only Murders in the Building. And I think it is a great show and it got a great critical reception. And, uh, you know, like, but American Vandal is probably a better show. And I think that I may have enjoyed it more. It's going to have left a big impression on me. And I, I do think it's one of those shows that is worth like either you're going to be on board from day one and you're going to laugh at the dick jokes and you're going to be like, and then it's going to sneak up on you or you're going to like, you're going to be somebody that doesn't like that stuff, but you're going to power through it. And then it's going to really reward you big time uh, uh, in the end as well. I, I say, it, you know, like I get that my, if I told my mom, Hey mom, want to watch the show about the dicks? She'd probably be like, no, you know, like, and I get that it's not for everyone, but it's for, uh, I think it's for more people than you would think it's for. And it's sad that there's no th third season and it, it, and you know, because it's scripted, it's not unsolved mysteries, you know, like you get, you get resolution and, and, uh, and that, that feels good. You get the guilty pleasure of true crime without it being somebody being raped or murdered or whatever those things are normally about. It's just about who spray painted dicks on the teacher's cars, right? Yeah. Like there's something low impact about that. The second season, incidentally, the crime has to do with shit. And uh, the, and the, 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 there is like a serial shit prankster known as the turd burglar. And uh, I would say that that season is like, if you have like a weak stomach, that first episode might not be like, like you may have to power through that a little bit or maybe turn away a little bit on that. But, but that's the second season. The first one is really just graffiti on cars. It's not, not so, uh, not so bad. So anyway, uh, I, I've talked to um, people about American Vandal since we've watched it. I've recommended it. And a lot of people, like, I'm not the only one that this slipped by. It's like a 2017, 2018 show. A lot of people didn't see it. And honestly, if you're looking for laughs and a great mystery and a, and a good time, it is it is worth, worth doing. And, and, and uh, you get to find out who drew the dicks. Yeah. Oh, that sounds really good. I think it's one of those things where... I'll be honest, like the the premise kind of threw me off, but I know a lot of people said, oh, it's hilarious. You got to look past the the premise of like trying to sort out who is drawing these dicks. And um, I think after Only Murders in the Building, it might be a good follow-up. And I, I think the, the turd burglar might be a step too far for, for Ashley. It would have been a step too far for Jesse if she hadn't seen season one. But after season one, you have so much goodwill that you're like, ah, oh, you know, like she knew she read the description. She's like, oh, I, I don't know. Like, I'll look at my phone maybe during certain part. But as soon as you get past the the, the original description and, and of the poop crimes, um, you're, 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 you know, you're good to go. There's some cringe m moments, but like, yeah, season one, but the, like. For uh, to Ashley and others credit, I know a lot of people who are like, oh, you know, not for me. They watch the beginning of it or they that whatever, and it, they they think it's not for them. I would say just like honestly, it's worth giving a chance to. But I do respect people who are like, look, I can't, you know, it's it, it's too silly or whatever. I can't get by. You know, that's fine. It's but I I give it super high high recommendation for sure. Cool. Well, um, you know, we. Uh... We are kind of like looking at a new show to try to pick up because we don't have um, like something we can kind of 
I wouldn't say binge, but like watch whenever we have, you know, time to watch TV. And we've been kind of falling to a show that we, uh, we did like, but it's really fallen off. Um, but then we also, I guess CSI came back. <laughs> we watched a little bit of it and I, I, I can't recommend it because honestly we were, wa- Ashley and I were watching it and I'm like, was this show always this cheesy? And I think when we thought about it, yes, yes, it was. And they literally, yeah, they brought back the show as if it never went away and they didn't adapt it to the current norm of procedurals. We really love The Rookie, which is a procedural cop show that deals with some similar stuff. Um, and it's fantastic. But this new CSI revival is like, woof, it's, it is stuck in the, what would it be, like early 2000s, I guess? But so. you. And and like just to be clear, um, uh, you're right, you're right, but it's not CSI Miami. Uh, and CSI Miami was the one that was like every episode. I'm not sure if you remember. Oh, I remember. Beg- <laughs> begins with David Caruso spouting a extremely cheesy one liner, and then putting on his sunglasses, and then hearing, yeah, you know, yeah. like the the Who soundtrack. I remember, you know, CSI Miami, but this is like a oh. continuation of the original, which I which know, I, did I like. know, but and it was always like it. They, they were big on, yeah, uh, we could go down that rabbit hole. I, I, it is interesting that it, it is a revival and that they they brought it back. But my expectation would be like, you know, it's the definition of what I would call a guilty pleasure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they, I know CSI at the time was well ahead of its time in terms of visuals. Like everything looked like, you know, this was just the beginning of HD when it started really. And, and you know, they had a bunch of HD Enhanced. Um, in, enhanced images and like, but like just the, yeah, the way they portrayed the science, everything looks so sharp. And, um, but yeah, it was, yeah, I, I, I can understand it being, a, you know, in, um, an easy watch. Just getting back to American Vandal, I would say to, to you guys, like, if Ashley is able to tough out two episodes, like, I mean, like, what I mean by that is it's very easy to watch the first one and be like, this show is not for me. I think that if you watch the second one and are not interested in co- continuing, I, I could be like, okay, you know, but the second one is where it gets like, it's still ridiculous, but it, again, they play it dead straight, right? They're not playing it for humor. Um, it, it's, is it funny? Yes, but they're not playing it for humor. And, um, and, and at, at the end of the second episode, if she's not invested in knowing who did the dicks, well, then, you know, tap, tap out. But, like, either quit after five minutes or quit after two episodes. But don't just watch the first one and then quit. Like, I think that it would be – it doesn't reveal – the onion doesn't reveal itself until you w- watch it a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll toss it in there. A lot of jokes that I could, you know, I could uh, – I could throw at you if you – we could have in-jokes, you know, once you watch it. I could send you a text that says, hey, with two Ys, and you would know what that refers to. And be that. like, oh, you know, like so. Um, but uh, that would be a weird text for me to send you, by the right way. Right now. Context. I'll let you yeah. know. No, I... it would be weird afterwards, oh, too. Okay. Con- context is everything. That second Y, man. It's, uh, yeah. All anyway. right. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, American Vandal, a uh, great show. And now we're, we've started a show, uh, based on my friend Mike's recommendation called clickbait. Um, hmm. and, uh, it's another, uh, scripted, it's a, it's not done in documentary style. It's, it's more just a, a regular show, but it, it is, uh, it is a, it is a mystery show where you're kind of trying to figure out 
but it's very high. We've only watched the first episode. It's very high intensity. And uh, I think, I don't know, like it's, it's tough, you know, watching, like, you know what I said about the last of us two, which is still in my shrink wrap. Like the idea of playing that stuff is, is still, is or in, engaging with that stuff. I think I'm ready for the last of us too, by the way, I need to, I need to play that sometime. Yeah. Get on that. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you. There's still some stuff that's tough to, uh, to start watching, especially, you know, you want that, you want that comedic relief. And I think like, sounds like those shows, uh, you know, American Vandal only merged in the building was a good one. Um, you know, just to kind of wrap up the dungeons, we will come back to Resident Evil 4 VR. I do really want to hear, I, I actually will probably get your, you know, um, yay or nay on it after, uh, well, hey, yay or nay, should someone pick up Resident Evil 4 VR and we'll talk about it next week? Strong yay. Okay, because I did get the uh, the mentioned coupon that I, you got from Facebook. They they tend to send like yeah $14 coupons out as like, hey, we know VR games are expensive. Um, here's 14 bucks to kind of bring it down. And I won't say I won't say too much on it because it really deserves its time. But I will say that where I am in the game right now, like for those of you who played Resident Evil Four, is I'm in the back third, which uh-huh. is like wow. so. I I have put like it tells you when at the typewriter and stuff like that. Like I'm at like twelve hours into the game, uh, and to play that long in a VR game is, you know, is is um, quite. quite quite considerable for me and uh it has really made me appreciate the oculus quest and what what it brings to the table especially after i just spent like friggin 20 minutes booting this computer to do a podcast (laughs) um the 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 fact that you can just jump in to a game on the quest and just be playing it like i could put on my my quest now and be playing resident evil 4 in vr in like three minutes you know it's it is yeah that is no small part of how it keeps keeps me going but the game is just completely remade for vr like it's not um i i think you, you play these games like and i haven't played skyrim vr and I, there's there's others like i know they've been adapted as best they can for vr but this game has been remade entirely for vr and um uh, it is uh, it is really impressive and feels really good to play, um, and uh, yeah, I can't say enough good things. I'll talk about it more next time. I'll have at that point. Not only will I have be finished the game, I will be considering playing it again. And it is like the first time I can say that I am mainlining a v- like VR. A VR game is my main game. You know when you have like a main game that you're playing. Like for me, it was Metroid on the Switch. Right now, Resident Evil 4 is my on in VR on Oculus is my main game. I'm not playing, I'm barely playing anything else, and it is the the, the thing that I'm looking forward to playing. So, I mean that I think is the first time or close to that that's ever happened for a VR game, and there's many reasons for that, not least of which is just the core game of Resident Evil 4 is such a great game, uh, and again. I before I go down that slippery slope, I'll put a pin in it for next time. Yeah. It's really, uh, but but the the definite definite yay if you're on the fence, it is it is absolutely absolutely worth getting. The one thing that I would I would just say <laughs> is frustrating for those of you who are uh, don't have a quest to it's it, it remains the the exclusivity stuff because uh, you can only get it on the quest. Meaning if you have an Oculus headset. 
a regular Oculus Rift or an Oculus Rift, whatever, you cannot get it. And, and that is, that is, I can imagine how frustrating that would be, um, you know, like to have the same brand of product and you still can't play the game that could run no problem on a computer for sure, you know. Um, and the fact that you're limited to 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 one, it just so happens. though I have that headset, so I'm happy about it. I'm like, oh, it's good. But uh, but for everyone else that I would say, buy this game. It's a great VR thing. A lot of you, a lot of people wouldn't be able to, right? Yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, it'll no, be interesting. It makes no sense. Well, sucks. It. <laughs> no, yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, it does. No, suck. it doesn't make sense. It sucks. No, it may. Okay, yeah. Agree to agree to maybe understand this conversation later. Um, <laughs> I disagree. No, I'm yeah, no, it's all good. No. Uh, I, I look forward to hearing your thoughts. I look forward to hovering over the buy button um, uh, over the next couple of days. Uh, it's very interesting. You said it's become your, your main VR game. I don't want to bait you any further and get you to talk more about it. Cause I know we put a pin in it. So we're putting a pin in it. We'll come back next episode. Um, you can bait me so easily. <laughs> no, what I'm not going to. Um, I, I had Extra Life Game Day on Saturday, uh, and again, like, Ashley brought it up, like, why do they do these things on Time Change Day? And, like, honestly, I don't know. I think it's ridiculous and punishing, and um, we did Game Day. Uh, We have completely stopped doing the 24 hours. I know that's all in their marketing. We spread the 24 hours over the course of the year. Uh, We still end up raising a phenomenal amount of money for charity. I think people much... they, They tune in for the games... And the conversations, they don't tune in to watch us slowly fall asleep in our chairs. I, I don't think that's healthy. Um, and and you feel like garbage. I even felt like I felt like garbage for a couple days afterwards because, again, like it was just a matter of going to bed at midnight and then waking up at, at 5. So we uh, we streamed the whole thing. We started around 10 a.m. We went till about midnight. We had some uh, technical issues at the start, so we we got started a little late, but uh, we managed to raise over two thousand dollars. Our team is still going strong. I know um, a new team member, a friend of the show, Alex Elbisu, is playing right now, um, or uh, he might have gone to bed because uh, it's quite late. But he is uh, playing for our team as well, and he's raising funds for um, uh, the Children's Miracle Network hospitals. But yeah, we managed to raise over two thousand dollars in just that one day. We played, uh, Joss and I played some co-op House of Ashes, which is the new story game from the Dark Pictures anthology. Uh, fun little game. We had uh, we had a huge spoiler-ridden conversation about it on the Gamers Inn this pa- uh, just this week. And um, you can check out our playthrough over at twitch.tv slash jossplays or twitch.tv slash ryanmurphyca. And, and I don't know if you've ever played the Dark Pictures anthology games, but it kind of like it splits your viewpoints in a way where you control a specific character and sometimes you'll be away from your co-op partner's actions. So it was kind of interesting where we're like having conversations back and forth about what we're seeing because we're clearly controlling two characters that are split up in the story at this stage. So you're kind of experiencing parts of the story, but you're experiencing the same culmination based on your the two players' choices and such. So it's really interesting and kind of encourages some more playthrough. Um, and then we took a break and we played some uh, some Dead by Daylight. And, and honestly, I think uh, the way we played it, um, not with a uh, <laughs> not with a good group of people who really had high level accounts. You know how sometimes when you play a game, Sea of Thieves is a bad example because Sea of Thieves has like kind of no 
like matchmaking. You kind of just play. But Dead by Daylight, if you're playing with people who play every day or every other day and they have a high ranking in MMR, um, matchmaking ranking, then um, I think that's what MMR stands for. I have no idea. Now that I think about it, I just say these things. Um, but uh, yeah, so we were playing and uh, Jocelyn jumped on her husband's account who he hasn't played as much. And that gave me sort of a, my first taste of like what Dead by Daylight is for beginners. And, and, we, and we had a really great time. And I've honestly been playing outside of Extra Life as well. It's one of those games similar to Sea of Thieves where I really only play it when when we're doing some sort of streaming event. Although I'll say Sea of Thieves, you guys have, uh, you and your crew have brought me in a couple times, which I do appreciate. So, mm -hmm. so yeah, it was a successful weekend. We raised over 2000. I think our team is at over 4,000 now, now that we've uh, got some more donations in. So uh, you can go to bit.ly slash TGI Extra Life 2021. If you're looking to donate, we'll have some more streams coming up. Nothing set in stone right now outside of an event later in December, but um, we're just kind of resting up and seeing what we're going to do next. But uh, right now, um, yeah, team goal is looking really good. And I hit my personal goal and Jocelyn hit her personal goal. So like it was all in all a successful Extra Life event. And I wanted to thank, I should have started with this. I want to thank everybody who donated, everyone who watched, uh, everyone who shared the links, everyone who listened to these Extra Life blurbs every week. Uh, I really appreciate all of the support. It's been super awesome, and uh, I love doing it every year, and I I really do appreciate people, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, engaging with Extra Life uh, every year as well. So thank you. What about what about the sick children? You should thank them. Yes. Well, of course, like all, as, as, uh, as you're alluding to, all the donations, 100% go to um, Children's Miracle Network hospitals around the world, which are helping uh, sick kids in this in, in in these times as well as other times past and present and future um a pandemic the pandemic has really hit uh, children's hospitals it's hit hospitals hard in general yeah. but i think children's Can hospitals it, especially have had to deal with some um unique scenarios where again like uh, you look at vaccinations uh, especially here in canada like you, you know you have to be 12 and up so like when you look at a children's hospital like that's that's a majority of your clientele that that can't be vaccinated yet so um it's it's still a struggle and i know they really appreciate all the donations and i think extra life has already raised year to date like 10 million us dollars across the world so huge year uh it's it just blows me away that people um you know every year come out and support it in, in such a fantastic way so it's it's a great cause i love doing it um, I had a had great fun playing Avengers with you and, and the Avendads crew. I don't know if we're oh, going to yeah. reassemble for Spider-Man, but, uh, throw it out there as a possibility. I mean, I, mean, I would, I want to play, like, I, I want to play with Spider-Man. Obviously that's why I got the PS4 version, right? <laughs> we all have PS4 versions, right? Yeah. Am I right? We do. All of us. So I think maybe there needs to be a, an Avendads all Spider-Man, uh, like the Spider-Man extravaganza. We'll come up with a name, just like we have to rename the podcast when eventually my kids are out of diapers when, when they hit their teens. So um, we'll have to think about how that works for websites and SEO and podcast submissions. But uh, we'll let we'll let future Ryan sort that out. Websites, I get it, because it's Spider-Man. Yeah. Uh, Ah, all right. 
let let us roll to the end. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's jump out you of here. You cut let's... my Resident Evil time, so I need to cut your time, and, we, and, <laughs> yeah. and then we can we can come back uh, on this uh, next week and talk some maybe some Avengers, some Spider Man. There's a lot of newsy stuff we have not talked about. By the next time we record, we should have a new Spider Man trailer, so we'll have some fun stuff. So I I kind of trolled you at the start of the show. I said, oh, I'm just watching the new Spider-Man trailer, and it was definitely the Avengers game. So, uh, sorry to sorry to give you a heart attack there. Um, all right, well let's uh, let's take a look at the outro here. You can visit us on the web. Swing over to the outro web website tgistudios.com/dad. Um, not a lot of dad jokes this episode, so there you go. Um, you can email the show dad at tgistudios.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me at R. Murphy, Crofton at Crofton Steers, and the show at D and D Cast. It's going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers, soon to be Dungeons and Dickheads. Have a great week, and we'll see you soon. I don't know. I got a selection of great things on sale, stranger. What are you buying? What are you buying, stranger? <laughs> what are you selling? <laughs> what are you selling? Isn't that what he says? He, oh, I'm sure he does. Uh, that dude, like, in VR... It's like you really appreciate how he teleports around. He's like, how can he get from one room to another? So before me, it makes no sense. Anyway. He's magic. Ah, thank you, stranger. Stranger.